And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100%. And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big Sean McCarthy. Welcome back, everyone, to the Weighing In Podcast, the midweek edition, the one that you really need to listen to because we will give you some incredible insight into how to make chocolate chip cookies and chocolate milk. No, I'm just kidding. We're going to talk about fights. That's what we do here. What's up, my man, Josh Thompson? Oh, man, I'm so excited to go to London tomorrow. <laughs> so not. I'm so excited oh. to get away from all the bullshit paperwork. Jeez, oh, man, God. there's so many hoops we got to jump through just to go out of the country. I'm like, gosh, this is going to be crazy. I, I'm pumped for that fight, to be honest. I mean, the first fight obviously didn't go MVP's way. But I thought Lima was having problems with him. He was able to land the vicious leg kick that landed the shot, all that stuff. But I think this fight is going to potentially be a lot different. Only takes one. Yeah, it does. That's it what only that takes shows. One. Big time. Big time power. Good, He's got big time power. There's a whole lot going on. We got the Bellator from London. You've got UFC Thiago Santos versus Johnny Walker. That should be fairly interesting. I think I have an idea which way I believe it's going to go, though. But... There's so much to talk about from the past also because we've had a lot of questions, a lot of people wondering, but why didn't you talk about this? It's because we can't talk about everything. Okay, <laughs> the show's too damn long already. What do you want from us? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and not to mention, it's four in the damn morning, guys. Damn, we, I know. I didn't expect feeling. you to remember every little thing going on. But four we listen to you, and, and we'll, we'll kind of try to go over and answer some questions about things that took place during... UFC 266, which was a pretty goddamn good show. Yep. Man. It definitely was. All right. Well, hey, let's just jump right into this. Before we do that, make sure you guys hit the subscribe button. I know that we follow, I sometimes will follow channels and not really hit the subscribe button because I watch all their content and just never subscribe. So make sure you guys subscribe to us. That would make you a poor human being. Yes. And then hit the little bell off to the bottom so you guys can see when we drop our midweek show because we drop it at different times. Um, yeah, and we've got a, a special show that we do called Wayne Interjection that's on our Clips channel only. So the <clears throat> in the link down below, you guys click that in our main channel. That'll take you to our Clips channel. You guys can subscribe there as well to see our Wayne Interjection. All right, well, let's get into these fights, man. So London, Bellator is in London. You got Douglas Lima versus MVP. And this is going to be a great fight, man. I really believe that MVP is – he was on the right track in the first fight. He was, starting to, gonna, feel, he was starting to feel good. Yeah, yeah, and then then it was lights out. But well, it was, and 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 that's what we you know we talk about. It. Look at that. If there was one thing that was illustrated so beautifully in the Saturday night show for the UFC, that main event was how quickly a fight can turn back and forth. It only takes a small thing to all of a sudden change it to where one guy who's winning the fight, Volkanovski, was winning that fight. He was winning it handily, and all of a sudden he was caught. In that top side guillotine, and you're going, oh, my God, he's going to lose. And even he said, I saw the belt leaving it because it was tight, man. It was on. And like you talked about how fast it was on. And then he got out, and he started laying some big, heavy shots. And then all of a sudden, again, Brian goes and gets the triangle. And it was tight for a second. There was a moment. It was tight. It was on. And he works his way out and comes back again. That's what makes MMA awesome. One guy going after strikes one guy going after submissions we saw with the lima mvp number one 
MVP hurt Lima. You can yeah. see him get staggered. <clears throat> but it was only moments later that he landed a kick that knocked him off his feet. He got up without thinking about where his head was at. Lima put a shot on it, and it was over. And that's what yeah. makes it so cool. Yeah, the other thing that he had going for him in that fight as well is, <clears throat> you know, Douglas Lima trying to get back to that title at the time. And during, I believe that was yeah, during at that time. So he was trying to get back to that title because oh, yeah. he had lost it to Rory McDonald. Yep. And so in that fight, though, he was a, a, a motivated fighter to get back up to the top to be the champ again. And so will we see that type of motivation from him coming off of the way he just lost his title, title to Yaroslav Amosov, who's 26-0? and 0. He's got the best record in MMA. Will he be motivated to get back on track? Because he's one of those guys... Lima is where if he loses, he comes back and he goes on a terror of winning and beating guys. Yes, it's like almost like a, it's almost like, okay, the motivation wasn't there. I got to get motivated again. I lose, come back. And then I start winning again, go on a run. It's, it depends, <clears throat> but I think he, this is going to be a different fight, a different style fight in terms of, it's going to look similar to the way, cause MVP doesn't change his style really for anyone. No, and he's not going to, he's not going to, but he will, I think be smarter about what he, he was, what he's going to do because he was like you said he was filling his groove in that first fight and then he got he got a little careless and then he got dropped and when he got when he got dropped he got up just not even thinking about being punched at that moment nope and he got up boom and then lima hit him clean on the chin it didn't even look like it landed it hardly so touched but it yeah. just just put him out that's yeah. all it takes i i just look at this fight john i look at douglas lima coming off of that loss where he didn't win one second of that fight at all against Yaroslav Amosov. And what kind of motivation factor he needs to have to fight someone like uh, MVP, knowing that he, in the first fight, he was having some problems with them until he landed that shot, until he landed that kick and that punch. He was having some problems. He was having fits with them. Lima's the guy that waits for the fight to develop in front of him, and then he goes ahead, and then he tries to use his power, whether it's the, the kicks or the punch into the whatever it is. But he can't wait like he did in the Yaroslav Amosov fight. You can't. Otherwise, the rounds just slip away. And, and you saw. He, he allows that to happen. It's exactly what you're saying. You're so right. I hate saying that. God damn, that hurts. God, but you are. Because music to you, my ears. Just go back to the Gegard Mousasi fight. He waited. Look at what happened in the first round. And finally, when he actually started going and actually pressing the fight, he was starting to win the win rounds. Yeah. And he needs the entire time in the in the Amazon fight, he was just it was not there for him. And and look, you can have bad days. You can have days where it just doesn't nothing's flowing for you. You don't feel right. The timing's not there. You feel sluggish. You can't seem to connect. And you have a guy that is able to wrestle and do things like Amazon that you're getting frustrated by because you can't stop it. And you know it's coming. So then you're putting yourself in the position I'm trying to land that one perfect shot like he did against MVP. But those those don't come with every fight. So this is a fight where, you know, hopefully he's got that motivation. Because, look, Douglas Lima is just a great fighter. He's got all the damn tools that you need. He's got some things that he does better than anybody out there. His leg kicks are as hard as anybody's in the sport. There's only a couple guys that I look at and go, man, that dude kicks really hard. You know, Fazeev, that dude kicks really hard in the UFC in the lightweights, but yep. Douglas Lima, man, he has got a fantastic low leg kick. Fast, heavy, just incredible. So, you know, again, MVP, back in that first fight, he said, he goes, look, I can only eat one of those around. 
He goes, I got to be careful of that. Well, he, same thing in this one, you know, and that was the difference maker. That's what took him off his feet. So, you know, he can't eat those. You got You got to address them. You got to figure out what you're going to do to make sure that that doesn't become the focal point that now changes the fight over to Douglas Lima. How much does it change um, the fact that they're fighting in London, though? <clears throat> it's like a home fight for him. It is a home fight for him, but just like, you know, you could take a look and say, you know, the, the last one, Liam Lima is actually, you know, from Brazil, but he's lived in the States forever. So this yeah. is where he's at now and stuff. So you can look at it and say, well, it's a, it's a home home match for him in that first one. Well, now it's a home match for MVP. It's the one thing about fighting. You know, the crowd, can it make a difference? It can pump you up. It can get you going. It can make you not stop. It can do a lot of things. But, man, if you're, you know, if you are just focused, you hardly hear that outside. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I just, the, a fight like this of that magnitude for him, there's a lot on it because he knows that the title shot is next if he wins. Yep. He also knows that he's lost. So he's getting that redemption for this fight. Um, it's just one of those fights where I feel like there's a lot of pressure to do it in front of your family, your friends, and everybody in your country. It's, it seems like there's a lot more pressure. I think MVP is going to be feeling it a little bit more in this fight. Eh, so if there, you have if to fight conserved and focused. If there's one thing that that guy has never, ever stepped back from, it's being in the limelight or pressure. Yeah, he loves sure. it. He, he thrives on it. So this is, hey, this is where you want it to be. This is in your country. This is exactly the way if you could have written it up, it would have occurred. So let's see what you do with it. I got you. Um, <clears throat> Liam McCourt, Jessica Borga, what do you think? You know, I, I, Lee McCourt is, she's tough. She's, you know, she's a gamer. She, she does certain things very well. Her stand-up is really the question mark. But on the ground, she's got some, you know, good ground techniques. She's got some good judo, good throws. Borga is basically the same type of fighter. She wins most of her fights being on the ground, getting dominant positions. She goes more towards heavy strikes where McCourt positionally goes into things like, She'll look for submissions, but she'll go to the crucifix and things like that. I think this is a very evenly matched fight. The real question is, pressure-wise, McCourt being in London, I don't think it's going to affect her. I think she she's already been, you know, the, yeah. she took over as the main event when uh, it got uh, the, the, the Gallagher fight against, uh, who was that? Um, can't think of his name now. But uh, that got pulled, and so her fight got pushed up to the main main event. And she handled the pressure well. You know, you were there. You watched the fight. You called the yeah. fight. And in uh, watching it, I was very impressed that she didn't let any of that affect her. But we're going to see. I, you know, she's got, when you're looking at experience, she's the younger fighter. But they both have the same experience in the cage. So hmm. this is an evenly matched fight. I was very impressed with what Lee did in her last fight against Janae because it was not going her way. No. And you and when things aren't going your way, you've got to you've got to create a situation. You got to find something that you know is that works for you. And look, she was she was in trouble. She was having problems. She looked for the up kick. She landed the up kick. That was what changed the fight. She got the triangle submission. Congratulations, man! You created that. You made it happen. That says a lot about you as a fighter when things are not going your way. Yeah, she was exhausted in that fight. So oh, yeah. I mean, that's <clears throat> that's something that she's definitely gonna have to remedy because I've seen her. And some I've called some of her past fights. She tends to slow down as the fight goes on. 
you know, and when she does, it starts to, she starts putting herself kind of in bad positions and she, and she starts trying to muscle her way out of things, almost like how Alejandro Lara does the same thing. Yeah. When she starts getting tired, they just start trying to do the one big explosion move to get out. When it doesn't work, you're even more tired and you're still stuck in a shitty position. And Liam McCourt has a, has a tendency to sometimes do that still, especially as the fight goes on and she slows down. She was able to get away with it with Janae Harding, but she's got to be very cautious. She always needs to, I think, I'll go back and watch her fights. And she needs to start picking herself apart because I haven't seen the improvements that I thought I was going to see from her um, after the main being the main event. Because <clears throat> I know she can be a better fighter, and she has the tools to do it. She's got great judo. She's got good good throws. But even with her throws, she leaves herself out of position for her back to be taken. All the and things time. Like that. And Tell just, me I about it, like, man. I was like, thinking to oh. myself. If you fight someone like Nogueira, or you fight, you know, uh, what's her name? Talita. Talita? Yeah, Talita. Talita, yeah. Nogueira, like, she's got good jiu-jitsu. She's got good, she will <clears> take good your control. Back. She will take your back, and she will finish you. And so that's one of those, like, you can't, you can't afford to make those kind of mistakes. Okay, let so me ask needs, you this. Yeah. Why is it in women's MMA we see a lot of ladies, you know, you know, you can go all the way from Ronda Rousey or Kayla Harrison now, but judo is a big background with a lot of the fighters. But women tend to grab around the head instead of the underhook a lot. And they do go for hip tosses and uchimadas. They'll go for, you know, haragosh, tayatosh, get that. And they end up going into, you know, kizikatame or, or scarf holds where they can have their back taken. Guys don't do it you know hardly ever but women tend to do it a lot what is the difference there why i think the difference is is the <clears throat> we are talking generations have gone gone through men's mma they've made the adjustment if you go back to the early ufcs to the even to the frank shamrock era guys were still grabbing the head yeah they were still trying to do headlocks oh yeah that's kind of i've always felt that women's females mma right now female mma is this is where it's at it's kind of that that next step above the Frank Shamrock era there. They've got good kickboxing. They've got good submissions. They've got good wrestling. They're, they're well-rounded, but there's still a couple little, the kinks though in there that they haven't quite figured out. That's because for, for 15 of those years, they really weren't involved in the sport. You got to remember when, when did the sport start? 92 or 93? 93. 90, 90, 93. 93. <clears throat> I always think 92. I don't know why. <laughs> um, anyways, in 93, I, I had to go right to the, the encyclopedia here. So 93, <laughs> 93, the sport starts. They didn't, women's MMA didn't really start taking off until Strike Force, which was what, 2006, 2007, really, is when it started to take off. I mean, there was women's MMA. We, we yeah, there that, was, but in, hook it and wasn't shoot, a big. Jeff Osborne, he had a, you know, yep. an all women's car, but you're right. There wasn't that many female fighters, but you know, I, I look at it and it's like you can take a look at certain ones, though. Look at a Valentina Shevchenko. She never does it. Look at an Amanda Nunez. She never does it. Mm -hmm. Chris Cyborg, she doesn't do it. She used to, she doesn't do it anymore. And so I, I look at the, the the top ones, they don't do it. But ones that, at a step-down level, they tend to still do it. I'm just like, mm -hmm. when is it that someone's going to say, all right, enough, don't do that anymore. That's really not going to work for you most of the time. I Weird. think it's just going to come with time. <clears throat> yeah, More time in, in the sport, more time of uh, the women's sport growing and getting and getting better. That's all. Um, yeah. We, we gotta, you got to figure they they've been able to cut the line in yeah. terms of learning all the learning all the the technique 
way in advance. Like, hey, that doesn't work. Hey, this is this is where the sport is now. Versus we when we were younger, we were learning on the fly. I was like, okay, let's figure let's figure this all out. The sport has evolved so much since '93, so mm-hmm. much, you know. And then even since females uh, women's MMA has started in 2006, when it really got to show Strike Force and it was on Showtime, and you know, in the main event with Gina and and, and Cyborg. I mean, that was huge for females MMA. But even in that fight, when you go back and watch, Gina Carano is grabbing Cyborg by the neck, trying to take yep. her down. Yep. And so right. it hasn't, it, it's it's still around. We still see it, but it's yeah. a lot, of, it, somewhat is coming from a lot of the ones that are still, uh, a lot of females that are, that are involved in the judo. You know, but yeah. if you look though, John, if you look, Daniel Cormier does the same shit. He's not an underhook guy. He's an overhook guy. Yeah, he is an overhook guy. He's an overhook guy. He's always been that overhook guy. I don't but he know doesn't grab he the head. Got... He goes to he the sometime... wizard. Yeah, yeah. No, he, yeah, he'll sometimes, yeah, he'll go for the wizard. He'll sometimes grab the head to turn them. Yeah, he turns well, them he'll, and he'll, he'll grab strike and, it on. He'll grab to, towards the ear. Yeah. He likes to reach and turn their head. Yeah. You know? But I don't know. It's just, it's a weird, you know, as, as I'm watching and I, and I was thinking of Lee and what she does a lot of times, it's like, why is that still there? It's just crazy. At least the judo background. I think you should, so. You should grab it over the back to grab yep. the gi. Grabbing the gi, yep. For the throw. Grabbing towards grab the, the belt. belt. Yeah. Yep. Um, other than that, look, this card, is, it's, got a, it's got some good fights on here. You know, Tim Wilde and Landu should be a good fight. Look, um, Landu is a unbelievable athlete. Mm-hmm. We're talking about this guy is crazy as far as what he will try to pull off. He... You got to watch that fight because this is the kind of guy that all of a sudden he'll be losing and he will pop out of somewhere with a flying knee. He starched his last opponent with a flying knee when mm-hmm. just pulling off different things. And all of a sudden it was a, a incredible explosive move at a time you went, oh, and yeah. landed. He's that guy's fun to watch. Yeah, I agree. I think he's super exciting. His record doesn't look that part. But he's got he's got all the tools. He just yeah. doesn't fight safe sometimes. No, he's not someone that will try to ink crazy. out a win. He's just yeah. someone who just fights crazy. Yeah. The other guy that's lower on the card though that is really good is Diada. Yes, Fabio. I, didn't I don't say know how to say his name. Fabakari. Fabakari. Fabakari Diada. He is he's a stud. He's fun to watch. He's just yeah. a world beater. He's got a lot of energy. Comes out hard. He's good on the feet. He's good all the way around. Like he's just fun, and Nathan Rose is no joke as well. Seven and three, that that's a good fight in there. Kane Musa also, he's got big power in his hands, but he tends to like he fights a little conservative. If he lets his shit go, I think he'd get guys out of there. He just chooses to fight a conservative fight, and I've I've called several of his fights, and I was high on him when I first started doing a lot of the fights over in the UK. But as the fights, as I started watching, I'm like, you just gotta pull the trigger, bud. If he pulls the trigger, he's got power in his hands. He's got good takedown defense. He just he just doesn't do it enough. He's got to let the hands go. He's got to let his he's got to let his power speak for itself. And he doesn't do that just quite yet. He's got to get through that mental barrier there with him, for himself. Um, who else on this card are you looking at? Yeah, there's a guy on the card. I, I I'm saying this with the <clears throat> utmost of respect, appreciation for what he does. Charlie Leary is a walking zombie. Yeah. Okay, this guy, you watch Charlie Leary, you go, not that fast, not that, you know, athletic, just comes forward, takes big shots and does not stop. You can you have got to take his head off. It's the only mm-hmm. way to beat him. 
Because you take a look at some of his fight, he had the win again. He wore Kiefer Crosby out by yep. Kiefer hitting him. Yep. <laughs> you know, I was, was going to say the same thing, yeah. That was, that was how he won the fight, man. He just took big shots to the point Kiefer was exhausted, and then he gets the win. You know, he mm-hmm. lost to Tim Wilde in a decision, but it was close because he was coming on at the end of that fight and had it had Tim in a lot of trouble. He just yep. didn't do enough in the beginning because, again, he's not that super athletic guy. But, man, I'm telling you, he can fight. He's tough as hell. He is a living zombie. I love the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I, there's a lot of hype, a lot of talk right now about Luke Trainer. Yeah, big, for- strong. Yeah, give me some input because Bahati's big and strong as well, by the way. Yeah, but they're <laughs> completely different. Bahati is kind yeah. of the squatty body, and you're going to look at Luke and you're going to say a big 205, tall, long, and lanky. This yeah. is the guy, and he, but he's got power in his hands. 6'6". Six, 6'6". Six. Six, six. He's got big power in his hands. He's he's He can put you out with either hand. Haven't really seen a ton of, you know, he's got, his ground is fine. You know, mm-hmm. it's, he but... He uses it more of he'll take you down, he'll pound on you near the end of the round and then get you out of there, you know, in the, the next round or something. But this guy is good. He's got a ton of talent. Uh, Bahati's going to he's gonna have his hands full getting into him because he's not only good offensively, his defense, he's very tight. He doesn't take, you know, ridiculous, you know, shots. He, he stalks his opponent down. He'll use good footwork, and then he'll pop, 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 and he'll come out. So Bahati's the guy uses a lot of explosive energy. We'll see how he does against Luke Trainer, but Luke's good. Um, the last fight, I think. Can you click on Robert Whiteford? But his last fight, I believe, I called, and he had a barn burner of a fight with uh, Sam Cecilia, and Sam, and I think it dropped him and rocked him. Yeah, was, was that his last fight? Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah. <clears throat> but he, he he was losing that fight. Oh yeah, it was a good fight. It was back and forth, but he was losing the fight. And he ends up finishing Sam. I want to say with like ten seconds left in the in the in the round in the in the, in the fight in the fight six seconds. Okay, so six le- seconds left in the fight, and he was losing the fight. And so it was. He just had a a grit about him. He just never stopped, and he was letting it go because he knew that he was down. And it was it was one of the probably one of the most memorable fights that I was able to call in terms of like action wise because Sam was just putting it on him. Sam was out striking him. Sam was taking him down. Sam was controlling every position, and he just kept fighting and kept fighting. And when he finally got back up to his feet, or he finally was there standing right there in front of him with like thirty seconds left, I think he rocked Sam with thirty seconds left and was able to get him out of there with six seconds left. It was a great fight to call, and I was was pumped man I, I, that's the, one of the fights that i remember the most yeah no. so i'm pumped to watch him fight again i remember watching that fight it was it was a great fight but the guy he's fighting in andrew fisher mm-hmm. you're talking about a ton of experience and a really really high level ground game he doesn't have that big you know bjj background but in mma his jujitsu and his ground game is absolutely top notch i mean he's very controlling. He he just works you into making you move into positions that he's waiting for. Andrew Fisher, you know, is never going to be that guy that people looked at and went, wow, he was so exciting. He yeah. just slowly sinks you. He takes you into deep waters and he drowns you. And so Robert Whiteford, in a different way, because Sam Cecilia is more of a striker, you know, mm-hmm. Whiteford's a good striker. Andrew Fisher, look out for the ground, baby. Yeah. Should be a fun fight, though. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, let's jump into the UFC. We'll talk about that card as well. Do it. What you got for us there, Dave? Tiago Santos and Johnny Walker. 
Johnny Walker has lost two of his last three. Yep. No. Coming off of a win. Yeah. He lost two of his two. last three? <laughs> Bless me. Bless you. Bless you again. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Sorry about that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, yeah. I believe he's lost two of his last three. Damn. Yeah, I mean, he was, he was, remember, he was the rise, man. Oh, dude, he was, he was rise. He's, okay, we talked, I think the last show we talked about the celebration. Celebrations. There's the yep. celebration, dislocated his shoulder. Yep. Doing the flop. Doing the watermelon crawl. Yep. <laughs> Trying to do that across the cage. Oh, Great. man, come on, guys. Stop doing the celebration shit. Act like you've been there. But you got to be. And you by the way. Be it wasn't it wasn't Walter Payton that said that it was Barry Sanders. Thank you. No, no, no. It was actually Paul Brown. Oh, was it? Yeah, it was Coach Paul Brown. Ah, <clears throat> uh, so you were wrong. So was I. <laughs> I was gonna say yeah. We both I just were. wanted to point out that you were wrong. <laughs> but I'm sure somewhere along the way, Barry Sanders said it. You heard it. Yeah, so he did say it. Yeah, he did say it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, when, oh. you're, when you're looking at Johnny Walker, you got to be honest. His he lost to Corey Anderson. There's nothing. There's no disrespect in that. That's losing to no. a stud. All right. Yeah. So it was that he was very hot at the time. He was coming off of a bunch of wins in a row. I can't even. You know, probably fucking eight to ten wins in a row. Mm-hmm. And he ran into Corey Anderson, and Corey Anderson finished him in the first round. And you know, that can happen. That's just the way it is. But his his other loss was against Krylov, and you look and you go, another guy that's a stud, man. This, yeah. It's a dude that. He can fight in the stand-up. He can fight on the ground. So he lost the decision there and then picked up a win against Ryan Spann. But he's going to have his hands full against Diago. Just not not an easy fight for him. Yeah. If we see flashes of uh, Santos that we saw against um, John Jones, I don't. I think, I think Johnny gets knocked out. Yep. I think if we can just see him, if we can see Santos put it out there, let, pull the trigger, you know, and let it go. I think. I think we see Johnny Walker gets knocked out. Well, think of the but Santos. Gonna... Think of the Santos that fought Glover. Yeah, in the, in the stand-up scenarios, in the stand-up situations, he was lighting Glover up. I know. You know, because I can remember I'm going, take him down. Yeah, you know, I've known Glover forever, and I want him to do well. But it's like, take him down. What are you doing? Do not stand with him, right? But it's a, he's got got power he's got speed he's fast now johnny's fast too and you know johnny's got the length but i think uh santos has got to be the favorite in this fight yeah johnny leaves himself out of position a lot when he strikes oh, uh, all the time. i know he's got power <clears throat> i know he's a little sloppy though with his technique like i said no, no, leaving no. himself out no, of no, position no no, no no he's a lot sloppy a lot sloppy <laughs> okay he, but he, he takes big he takes big chances and sometimes there's yeah. you know there's <clears throat> A lot of good things come from it at times, but yeah. sometimes, like what happened against Corey Anderson, bad things happen with him. Uh, what other fights on here? I mean, Kevin Holland's fighting Dawkins. That's going to be a tough fight for Kevin Holland because Dawkins is very well rounded. Holland will keep it on the feet as much good as he boxing. can. He's got good boxing. <clears throat> we just saw what his brother his brother just fought the other night, right? Yeah, big win over uh, yep. the Russian guy. Great job uh, by him. So you know that he's probably going to be in pretty damn good shape. He's prepared for this fight as well since him yeah, and his I'm brother sure that he was training, the training with his brother. Yeah, during the same time. It's always nice to have someone to, like, to run sprints with and to feel tortured with and all those things. <laughs> feel those tortured. Types. I love it. It's fucking That's horrible. It. Um, Kevin Holland, though, coming off two losses, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. One to but what? It, to Vittori, and then who did he lose to before that? Uh, he, the one, he, uh, 
Brunson. 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 There you go. Yeah. Brunson. Brunson and Vittori. I mean, overall, though, I mean, how, um, look, I want to see how much he's worked on his his takedown defense. What what improvements he's made. <clears throat> I still want to see the fun Kevin Holland, though. That's the thing. I want to still see that one, but then just realize that it's it's also a fight. We're not out there to be a co- we're not out there to be a comedian. We're out there to actually lay it all out there. there and he does. He's got all the tools, all the weapons. He's, you know, he is tall, long, and lanky, and that stuff. So it does work for him. He just got to learn how to get up off of his back. More of a focus to get up off of his back. And if Dawkins takes him down, which Dawkins can, I believe. Well, they're both um, really good on the ground. They're both good, you know. So I just think that Dawkins Dawkins is at a disadvantage on the feet, though, with speed and the reach. Not too sure about that. I'm really not. No. You no, know, so? I, I look at it and I go, Dawkins has got. He's got good fundamental boxing. His his hands are good. He doesn't throw a ton of kicks or anything like that, but he'll throw them in there now and then. His wrestling is actually good, so he can keep the feet. I mean, keep the fight on the feet if he wants. But his his boxing is not bad, and it's a lot more technically proficient than what I see out of Holland. Holland's a little bit. You're right. Maybe a little more explosive, a little bit faster. But when you've got good technique, you can take that away to a point. So this is a good matchup. I th- I actually think that Kyle Dawkins has a very good chance of winning this fight. <coughs> I think so too. I, I, I like and I like Kevin, Kevin Hall on track. Yeah, yeah, I do like him. So I think he's good for the sport. He's great for the sport. <laughs> what other fights on here you think uh, are exciting? I mean, this this is one of those like the Nico Price and uh, Cowboy Oliveira. I just like watching Cowboy Oliveira fight, man. I just like watching Nico Price fight. <clears throat> and there you both go. I like watching them both. But yeah, because they're both just they both go for it. So the, what you're gonna see. You're going to see a bar murder. I think that's going to yeah. be a great fight. I think that that type of fight, neither one of them are really going to be in that title contention, like that talk, but they're just great fights in, in terms of like when I say, hey, this is a fight you should watch for just to be an action-packed fight, like fun fight. This is that type of fight. I think the one that you, you, is going to be a fun fight to watch is Joe Salicki against Jared Gordon. That's going to be a barn burner. Salicki is good. He's exciting. Jared Gordon's fast. He's tough. I think it's going to be just a fun fight. They're going to, be, you know, at lightweight, they're you know they're not, obviously not up in the rankings or anything like that, but they're both guys that can beat anybody on a given day. You know, so they both have that skill set. So I think that's going to be a fun one to watch. Holy shit! I haven't seen her fucking name in forever. Betts Cohea. Yeah, I haven't seen her in forever. She used to train at AKA for a long time, and then she moved away, uh, started training somewhere else. But um, man, I haven't seen her in forever. She you're talking, I, she you're talking Betch, Betch Cohea from Brazil. Yeah, yeah. She, I didn't know yeah. she was trained at AKA. Yeah, ever. she trained at AKA. Yeah, right after she lost to uh, Ronda, she started training at, at AKA. Oh, okay. Yeah, right after that. Right. Yeah, she was there for a while. <clears throat> a couple she years. Her year. boxing coach. What's that? She did fail last year. Oh, July. she did. She God, did. Yeah. Man. Uh, well, wish her luck. Super nice, super nice person, right? Oh yeah. But you see nice her when person. she does her face-offs and all that stuff, and I'm like, don't. Why do you act like that? That's not you. You're a super <laughs> nice person. Driving crazy, hey. But she, fu- one of the first times I spar with her, she fucking tried to take my head off. <laughs> I was like, you better be careful. <laughs> I will fuck uh... you up. <laughs> it's like, nah. That's the one thing that I, I like, just hated about. Like sometimes when you had some of the top girls that would come in, uh. What's it called? Uh, Iron Lady. Oh, God. Oh, Jermaine. Jermaine. 
she fucking spinning back kicked me one time right in the face. She came in in the fifth round of one of my fights, <laughs> one of my fight camps, and she spinning back kicked me fucking oh, right in the so squish. Pissed. Right in the face. I thought she broke my nose, man. I fucking picked her. I double-legged her, slammed her on her fucking head. I was like, this is bullshit. I was so mad at Javier, too. I was like, you fucking put her in there. You know I can't fight. Like, you know, you get mad. You're just super mad. Like, she's fucking trying to hurt me. I was like, what the fuck? You know I'm tired. I was so pissed. I was so pissed. No, I was mad that he put her in there, and she kicked me in the face. And then I had to be mean to her because I really liked her. But I was like, I'm not going to let you fuck me up for five minutes. Oh, it was horrible. Um, overall though, um, like this card, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those, I think it has a potential. We've got some good names on here that could potentially make for some good fights. You know, Alex Hernandez is always fun to watch. He either goes out on his shield or he beats people up. So he's one of those guys. He's fun to watch. Um, what else? Aspen lad. She's Aspen, amazing. That, I love, I love watching That should her be fight. a good fight. That, yeah. should, that one, that one should be fun with Macy. That's mm-hmm. a. Aspen is she's just a different fighter. She's got that very meek and mild attitude approach, but she's obviously got power. She obviously, you know, can hit hard because you see when she hits another fighter and all of a sudden they got that look like oh, oh where'd that come from? Where'd that come from? Yeah. So I mean her only losses to Jermaine, I believe, right? That's it. Jermaine. That was a yep. a lot of people think it was a fast stoppage and it was uh, it wasn't gonna get better. It was not gonna get better. <laughs> No. And it was definitely but, not uh, the person to get hurt against. No. And and let them be able to tee off on you. So Yeah. The other thing as well is um she's young. Yep. Like like like, like we've had this conversation a couple of times now on the show is is why have her take that amount a ton more damage at such a young age, knowing that she has a long career ahead of her because she is good. And so just I know it's a shitty position to be in. Sixteen, I was like 16, 20 seconds stoppage or something like that. Sixteen seconds or twenty seconds stoppage because yeah. she got rocked right off the bat. Yep. But man, overall, I mean, the gap. She's got plenty. She she'll be she'll be around for a while. She's yep. one of those. Um. All right. Well, Dave, what else you got for us? Well, before we go any further, let's talk. You guys wanted to just touch on um some stuff from UFC two two sixty six, and we got a lot of feedback around the Brian Ortega, uh, round three ending. Um, about the why it wasn't stopped, and I know that that's one thing that was kind of omitted from the people. conversation. <laughs> All right, now we want to thank our sponsor, MyBookie.ag. Head to MyBookie now and use your promo code Wayne In to start off with a double deposit bonus. That promo code Wayne In to double your money, so you can double your winnings with mybookie.ag. Use the promo code Wayne In, and that's not all. If you deposit now, you'll also get a free entry into MyBookie's fifty thousand dollar NFL Survivor Pool. That's a double deposit bonus, free money on UFC, and free shot at fifty thousand dollars. That's what I call a winning season. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with mybookie.ag. Use the promo code Wayne In. Why is it that people can't go, man, thank God that wasn't stopped because I got two more rounds of an incredible fight, a fight of the year candidate. In fact, I'm going to go back to the last fight of the year winner, which was Weili Zhang against Joanna Zhenjacek. And if you go back, I believe it was either the second or the third round, Joanna lit her up, and you watched Whaley's corner actually went and picked her up and carried her back to her corner. 
So where was the outcry with Keith Peterson when he didn't do something about that? It was a great fight, and it stayed yeah. a great fight. It was the fight of the year. And guess what with this one? I think this is probably going to be the fight of the year, or it will at least be in contention. Now, look, in the rule sets, it's supposed to be that the the, the corner cannot pick up and carry the, the fighter back to their corner. But I, I'm going to give you a little bit of Brian was in his corner. That all happened at the end, right at right in his corner. Yeah. So when they're going in the, and he's laying down there, yes, they did pick him up. Could Herb have done something? He could have, but he's also looking, saying he's in the corner. They didn't pick him up and carry him across the ring or the cage or anything like that. He was actually where he's supposed to be. I'm not telling you. I have stopped fights when, you know, Vadim Nemkov. Look, Vadim Nemkov couldn't get up off of the mat to go to his corner. I called the fight on him because I wouldn't let his cornerman touch him. But your referee has got to call that. And if he doesn't call it and you, they, they touch him and pick him up, well, you're, you're kind of stuck then because you didn't do your job with it. So I want to say, Herb, thank you for not doing that and allowing yeah. that fight to go on. I actually thought Herb did a really good job as far as the way he handled a lot of that. He handled it well. People were complaining also about the time after with the doctor and stuff because, oh, he was hurt. You, you took time away from, look, that's fighting. I'm just going to tell you, rounds in MMA, yes, we get a one-minute break, okay? But if you're in a big fight like that or on TV or in pay-per-view, Bellator, PFL, UFC, when it's on TV, they take more time. Okay, we have a guy at Bellator, Mike Sarnofsky. He's the stage manager, and he's giving the official the ability to when to start the fight. The, the official doesn't get that call. It's because there's TV stuff going on. So most of the time, that round is actually somewhere in the area of a minute 13, a minute 15 is the break in big fights like that because there's more talk. There's all this stuff going on. And so, yeah, there, that was longer. That was, you know, it, it took more time, but that's called for the health and safety of the fighter they're going to take that time yeah the thing is though too they're going to do that normally at the end of his break so he has time to talk with his coaches he has time to recover then they do it at the end of the one minute break so yes. then it doesn't interrupt then game planning because then it's like oh well you just had the doctor and well, i didn't get a chance to get water i didn't get a chance to talk to my corners and it's also see this is what we call trying to be fair volkanovsky's over here he's getting Eugene Berriman to talk to him, to give him, you know, something, you know, as far as, hey, I want you to do this. He's getting information from him. He's getting the water. He's having the cut man work on him. If you do it during the break, you're making it unfair because one person is getting everything that they're supposed to be getting while the other person is now having to sit there or stand there and talk to a doctor. They're not getting any information. They're not getting worked on at all. All it is is for the doctors, you know, good in, in getting information on whether I'm going to allow the fight to, you know, continue or I'm going to stop it. So, you know, we do it at the end. So it's even for both fighters to be able to talk to their corners, get that attention from the cut man, get that water, do the things that are their time. And then we'll use that timeout break period in between it to now try to make it to where the doctor can have time. Yeah. I said, Herb did a good job because look, as a fighter, from a fighter's perspective, I'm here. I'm, I'm asking. I need more time, or I need. I want. Here, the other thing is, I'm somebody who is. I, I'm in my world title fight. 
and you're gonna get, you're basically gonna stop the fight because I just I was already in my corner. I decided to lay there until my coaches came in and just picked me up and said, "Hey, get up, sit up here." That that's like that that type of stuff. He maybe he didn't know where he was. You can make excuses for him all you guys want. You can say the things that you want to help make the argument biased for you. But the thing is though, is it is for me as a fan and not only just as a former fighter, but also as a fan of the sport, I'm glad we got more rounds. I'm glad I got to see Brian Ortega fight more. I'm glad I got to see that. That was a fucking fantastic fight. Oh, yeah. Look, I had it being a little bit more one-sided also. And people were like, yeah, it was one-sided fight. You know, it should have been over. And this and that. I said, yeah, but it was, it was, it was, sure, it was one-sided on the scorecards. But at any moment, that fight could have changed. And we saw that and in the third did. round. Yeah, exactly. That fight could have been over at any moment with Brian Ortega's grappling, the way he is on the neck, his darses, his guillotines, all of those things, his triangle. T-City, baby. Like, we could have seen all that. It could have been that would think about this. Think about if he would have got the submission in the fifth round with like 10 seconds left. Everyone would have been, we would have never have seen moments like that. We've seen that. I, we just talked about it earlier. Yeah. Uh, Robert Whiteford, when he fought Sam Cecilia, he was losing that fight. All the but way with, up until that with, point. That last six seconds, you know, it was a 30 second. He rocked him. But the last six seconds, he ends up knocking him out with six seconds left on the clock in the fight to win the fight. That's the type of stuff that makes like legendary fights. And that was that a twenty. That about. was a twenty eighteen fight going into the third round. Sam Cecilia. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, here here's the another question that came up. Okay, how do you score that third round? So, Josh, how do you score that third round? I gave it a ten. I gave it a ten nine for Brian Ortega. Okay, tell me why. The reason why is because he had two submission threats that were very very tight. Oh yeah, and they, they were basically right, so close enough to finish. He was looking to finish the fight. They were super close, but if you look at what um, Volk did at the end, where he was able to put a lot of damage out on him, a ton of damage. When that happens, that brought the fight back to a ten nine. That's what I thought. I thought it was very close. I could have seen a baby being a ten eight still for, no. for Ortega. Oh but my at god, the, no! But at the very end, no. but the very end with the damage, I gave it a ten nine. Okay. So a lot of people have asked me, you know, well, what do you give credit for? Well, you've got to give credit to both fighters. And it is true when Volkanovski gets cut, because Volkanovski was, you know, he got hit with a shot that put him on his butt. People don't remember that. Yeah. That's really what put him on his butt. So he got hurt with that shot. Can't say exactly how much because obviously he had enough, you know, in as far as activity in his brain and thought process to struggle and work and kick his way out of a very deep guillotine. You know, many times, you know, and I, I say it all the time when we'll have commentators or I'm coming and I'll say, they, that's not going to work. Or the commentators, oh, it's deep. It's like, no, it's not. That one was deep. Okay. Mm -hmm. That one was one that when you see someone work their way out of that, that's impressive because that thing was on. The body position was right. He was doing all these things that you go, oh, that's going to put him out. It, Volkanovski was tough enough to put up with the pain, the pressure, to get himself out of it. So that's one submission attempt down. That definitely puts him down. But then as he gets out, look, he started putting a whooping on Brian, and he hit him with some big, heavy shots. We're not talking just ground and pound, you know, body, body, head. We're talking heavy, heavy blows that were damaging Brian. And then Brian throws on the damn triangle, and it's not tight in the beginning, and he doesn't have the arm across, but he gets it there for a moment, 
and it was tight. And you see that look in Volkanovsky's face, like, how in the fuck did I end yeah. up back here? Okay, and he's but he works his way out, and then he gets on top, and he proceeds again, heavy ground and pound, lighting Brian Ortega up to the point where, yeah, he was almost put out in the end yeah. of that round because, one, he was exhausted. Two, he took a lot of big, heavy shots. You know, that all adds up. So when people are asking me, how do I score that? I'm going to tell you I would have given it to Volkanovsky. I, oh, wow. I, I hate to do that. I'm being honest based upon yeah. the two submission attempts. But here's the difference. When I have those two submission attempts and I look at Volkanovsky, when he got out of the guillotine, the thing that, that impressed me so much was most of the time you'll see a guy, if he gets out of that type of submission and he ends up where he gets up on top because Brian went for a darts and it didn't work or anything and he kind of rolled himself over, but he ends up on top, you'll see most of the time, what do they do? Head towards the sternum, and they start to hold to get that air back. He didn't do that at all. He was going after him. He acted like he didn't lose any air, no time, heart rate is fine, just kept on going and and put a whooping on him. Then he gets out of the second one and does it again. The big difference is Brian is getting hit by strikes that are damaging his brain. Mm-hmm. what Brian put on Alex is it's limiting his breathing, but it's not affecting his brain at all. Only if his brain shuts off based upon that's what his body will naturally do. If it doesn't get enough blood flow to the brain, it's going to naturally shut off. There's nothing he can do. So that's telling me that he was able to gut out through that. He showed me through his actions that he was not exhausted from it. Yeah. I have to say that Brian was the more damaged fighter in that round, and that's why I would give it a 10-9 to Alex Volkanovsky. Yeah, the only reason why I gave it to uh, to Brian is because I felt like he was the one that was closest to finishing the fight. Sure, he took, I know Brian took a lot of shots, but I look like to me. I think they were both was, close. They were both, I thought <laughs> they were close, but they I, were both I, there, close. Was, there was two There was two occasions there where yeah. I felt like Brian had the, the, it was the close. finishing sequence. Yeah, No doubt. So, oh. but I gave I, I, I'm not going anyway. In, in no, any which way. I'm, and I'm okay with someone saying, "Well, I think Ortega." Okay, I just yeah. go off of I look at it, and, and it, it. I love submission, so it kills me to have a guy have two really good submissions. One that was outstanding. I thought, I thought it was going to finish the fight. Yeah, and for me not to give him the round off of that means the other guy did a lot of damage. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. We're splitting straws. Though. I think yep. splitting hairs here when we get yep. there. But but yeah, I I I gave it to Brian. Uh, in those transitions, but then I gave the rest of the fight to, to Volk. Yep. Good fight, though. It was a great fight. I, I don't know if it's going to be great fight of the year, but that that round is definitely in the conversation. Oh, that round is fantastic. That round for sure is in the conversation. The fight itself, to me, was a little bit more one-sided, so when that happens, it's kind of hard to make it, kind of hard to put that in the fight of the year category, but uh, but it was still a great fight to watch. It was fun. And and like I said, in any moment, though, because we're talking about the Herb Dean like not stopping it when they lifted him up, put him in his corner, we got to see more rounds. And that made it more fun. You know, Which might not be a so, good thing for Brian Ortega. <laughs> yeah, this is true as well. This is true as well. But overall, it was a good fight. Because at any moment we oh, saw in the third round, Brian could Brian could have finished the fight. Well, you, you look so. at the fifth round, Brian looked as far as looking he better in the, the last fight, two and a half minutes. Dude, he looked fantastic. He was actually coming forward. He was actually landing good strikes. It was like he was finally getting a second win while Volkanovsky's second win was going away. So yeah. 
Or maybe Volkanovski just hadn't got his second win yet. He was on his first. That's it. He's on his first. He was just <laughs> losing, losing the oh, tail man. into that one. Good fight, though, man. It was a oh, good fight. Oh, fantastic. Um, anything else, Dave? What else? Yeah, let's get in some hot topics. <clears throat> so our first one is uh, the Bellator pound-for-pound pound rankings right now. And, Josh, this was one that you uh, mm-hmm. wanted to discuss after getting some flack on Twitter. So I'll let you take <laughs> it away. All right, well, hey, so let's let's jump back into this rankings catastrophe that we're looking at and witnessing right here, John. People, this one doesn't bother me near as much as the individual weight classes. Oh, really? This, oh this my God. like the reason why this one bothers me so much is that you have a guy who has who just dismantled Douglas Lima, who is the champion, and. Yaroslav Amosov, he's got the best record in MMA. In all of MMA, now that Khabib is retired. 26-0. Didn't he won every second of that of every round in that fight against Douglas Lima? And he is at number six <laughs> on the rankings. You, don't get me wrong. I, think I totally McKee, agree with it. I think AJ McKee is up there. I totally as well. agree with it. You agree with him being number six? Oh yeah. <laughs> joking <laughs> but, but this is but here people are people are on twitter going what the hell is going on you guys your guys' ranking system is a joke i'm i'm being not honest our rankings it's not our rankings this is the media. media the media is the ones that do this the media and people want to know why that guys like dana white or other and other fighters just criticize the media because that's why the media this is what they're doing they really believe they know the sport but they have no fucking clue this is ridiculous <laughs> Look, I would put Yaroslav Amosov first. I'd put AJ McKee too. And then were you mixing that middle after that? I'd probably put I'd I'd probably have to go somewhere in that like Gegard or Nemkov situation, whatever next. And then you go to like uh you go Nemkov Musasi or Musasi Nemkov, however you want to interchange them, and then probably somewhere in there with Ryan Bader, and then I would probably move on to Patricio would be there. He's got Patricio's gotta be out of that position below the champions the champions all have to kind of be in that mix there and so it just it drives me crazy when i see this going on john because i know that people are going this is why bellator is having problems this is why this is why no one takes them serious this is the media this is not us and i wait and here's the thing i do know there has been times where we have reached out and said hey like how come this happened and then the media has, has threatened basically to say like, well, you know, hey, if you guys want to be involved in like talking about the, the rankings, you know, then we just shouldn't do it. Then we don't well, want to do it. I, I, yeah, we don't want to do it. Well, then why? Like, we're not trying to skew anyways. We're trying to say, hey, did you guys even watch the fucking fight? That's what I want to know. Yeah. That's the thing that really bothers me that we allow the media to control. Why? The UFC controls their own. Uh, PFL right. will control their own. Like, who gives a shit? I'm t- I, get, I get so sick of watching or like seeing this from the media and then us being criticized for it, like as if we had something to do with it. We actually took it out of our own hands. So we didn't get blasted, but yes, yet we're be, still getting blasted. Totally, to be transparent and allow it to where we don't have any say in, in who is ranked where we put it all within the media. Yeah, that's worked. Yeah. <laughs> I just look at this at, at number six. Mm-hmm. You people have lost your fucking minds. It's insane. It's crazy. What's what bothers me the most, John, is this: is that it wasn't as if like the fight with Lima was close. He dominated that fight, and that guy beat that guy's beaten Roy McDonald. He's beaten all these other fighters, right? That were considered some of the best. 
And he's he's done everything he needed to do. Douglas Tuma did, but Yaroslav Amosov destroyed him. Like I was, I almost was like, God, I can't believe this is happening. I was shocked that the fight happened the way that it happened. I thought Lima would have more leg kicks. I thought Lima would have more strikes landed. I thought I thought Lima would do a lot more damage on the feet. They would make the fight more interesting as the fight went on. It was never close. No, it wasn't close at all. No. And then now you've got him ranked below. Um, you know, no, no, no. Memkov he's, he's the, only he's only two ranks above a guy that he beat twenty five minutes every minute yeah. of the fight. He's ranked two. One, there's one guy between them. You know, uh, you look. It's just the whole thing is. I, I look at it. and It's like, all right, you obviously don't watch the fights or you don't understand the fights or something because I'm okay if they leave. I'm okay with AJ McKee at number one. If that's what you believe, that's okay. You know, based upon he's still undefeated too. And he did just yeah. have a fantastic performance throughout the Featherweight Grand Prix. He, you know, he put out Georgie Carhanian. He comes back. He puts out Derek Campos. He puts out Caldwell and he puts out Pitbull. Hey, you want to put him at number one because you think he's the best fighter in Belgium? Okay, I'm all right with it. But there's no way that you cannot tell me that Yaroslav Amazov cannot or should not be number two. If yeah. not number one, then he's number two. But that's, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't, look, there's one thing I figured out. I don't know a whole lot about this sport. I'm just here to talk because I'm really good looking. Okay. Yeah. You know, and I talk Sharp about a. it all the time. Sharpays are cute. They are. Sharpays are, are cute, cute, man. Um, look, the wrinkles. The only, the only reason why I'd put and here's the thing, like I said, with you, I agree with you in terms of AJ McKee and Yaroslav Amazov. If you want to intermix them, I would put Yaroslav ahead based okay. off that he is 26-0. But, I mean, look, the other thing, too, is AJ's going to be around. Both of them are going to be around for a while. Yeah. And so the two of them being in that intermix doesn't bother me at all. And they both beat basically the the, the pillars of Bellator. Yes. Patricio and Douglas Lima, yes. the ones that have been here the longest, the ones that have the most fights, the most, uh, most knockouts, most finishes, whatever it is. They've been the reigning guys for the longest time, and they both beat them. So however you want to put them at one and two, but there's no way that conversation should be where he's at number six. It shouldn't even be in the – it shouldn't – this is embarrassing to me. No. It really is. All right, so we ranted on all – but if people want to criticize and want to say, start attacking the media. Good. Criticize the media, the the media ones, for not knowing what they're looking at or not yeah, watching they, fights. And, and these are the people that are writing articles that people think that they know what the hell they're talking about. They have no idea. It's embarrassing sometimes. Sometimes it's embarrassing and so funny because they like to get on their little shows and they like to get on there on them on the in their articles and they like to write all this shit and they like to say uh, you know how good they are and but guess what they don't know shit they're just fans at home that decided to pick up a panel a, a pencil and paper and write some shit down or wow. they put it you know on a on a keyboard that's it man it drives me nuts <laughs> none of them I don't do you know any of them have ever fought I don't know have any of them that. ever fought I'm not. I don't know any of them that have ever fought. I'm being majority honest. of them. Well, there, there, of used, them yeah, there used to be, um, God damn. What was his name? He wrote a book. He actually fought because he fought with, uh, Forrest Griffin. He wrote a book too, though, by the way. No, that was <laughs> grappling for dummies or MMA for no, dummies. Not, that's not it. Grappling for dummies was Frank Shamrock. Wasn't yep. it? Maybe it was. I thought, I thought it was For Forrest, Forrest had a book. One. Yeah. He got a book. I don't know. There, it, I just look at it and it's like, You've got to realize what you're looking at when you when you watch Amazon fight. Here's a guy that no matter what the style of fight, as far as his opponent, he's always the guy dictating where the fight's going to be. Yeah, he's, you know, he's taken down, you know, NC two A Division One 
wrestling champions, all Americans. He's just, you know, he manhandles them at times and you go, wow, you know, this yeah. guy is special. Yeah. I mean, everybody out of ATT has said how special he is. They're like, yeah. we don't understand. We don't like, he just comes in, does the work guys that are guys. He, tra- most of the guys he trains with are 185 pounders. And like, we can't get him down. We can't get him down. Can't he keep him down. down. Yeah. We can't keep him down. Like he's just got that ability, you know, and his fight with Logan Storley was like one of those fights too. I was like, damn, this is crazy. But isn't like, it funny how that fight you look at because of the way they match up. That was an unbelievable fight. Great. Yeah. Great. Back and forth. The scrambles that were in there, the transitions. It was so freaking fun to watch. Yeah. You know, you it's styles styles make yeah. fights because that they was do. one I would love to see again. Exactly. All right, well, that's my rants about our about our rankings. Good, get rid you know, of it. Yeah, we'll get, <laughs> I I honestly believe we got to. I think we got to restructure it, dick the media out of it, and just let get get a base of a couple former fighters, maybe a couple media members. You know, one or that's two media okay. members, couple me, a uh, couple former fighters, and then maybe even some people from I don't know for, uh, coaches from gyms. You know, I mean, it might be a little biased there because their fighters do fight in Bellator, you know what I mean? But you've got to find, you've got to find a couple in there that just, you got to have some coaches, you've got to have some, some former fighters and you've got, and you've got to have, you know, one or two sprinkled media members, not too many of them because they pollute shit. (laughs) Just just let it be. Oh, all right. What else you got for us there, Dave? You don't know what you're talking about, Josh Thompson. Uh, Yeah, I know. I know. I've been told that (laughs) a lot. Have you ever even been in a cage? <laughs> nope. I'm just a podcast guy now. That's, hey, that's my boy. That away. Yeah. I love it. Just a podcast guy. What you got? Uh, <clears throat> all right. Next hot topic. Dana White and Oscar, Oscar De La Hoya. Dana loves Oscar De La Hoya. That's his favorite guy. <laughs> they got what? into it what? after ahead, the fights. They got into it after the fights. Hey, uh, Oscar De La Hoya tweets out, Hey, Alex Volkanovsky. You just won a brutal battle for the UFC and made one twentieth of what you're worth. Dana White, have some fucking respect for yourself and these fighters and pay these warriors what they deserve. Dana White, shut the fuck up, you crackhead. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's like, oh, man. Uh, it's like faking that you got COVID and robbing me of watching you get knocked oh, the fuck out by Vitor Velford. You should win an Academy Award for your hospital performance. 10-8 Dana uh, White. 10-8, Dana White. That's a 10-8, dude. I'm <laughs> telling you. I thought Dana he, First off, the STFU, you crackhead, that oh, made yeah. it a 10-9, and then you <laughs> you robbed me from watching Vitor Belfort knock you out. That made it a 10-8. I loved it. Jeez. Would Vitor have beaten him, though? I'm not too sure about that. Yeah, I don't know either. <sighs> I mean... I don't know. You just don't know what they have left in the tank, you know? No, you don't. But l- let's be honest. Oscar never took a lot of damage. He, yeah. Throughout his career, he he was very, very good defensively. He had a great jab. And if, when you're watching, when you're, when you're going to think about that fight, what I would expect, not saying it's what would have happened, but what I would have expected. Since, look, at the, they were close in age. Well, not so close. I think Oscar is like 48 or 49. Somewhere in there? Mm-hmm. Almost yeah, 50? No, I think he's like 46. Somewhere. Is he 46? He's, he's younger than I thought then. 48. 48. 48. Yeah, he's 48. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So, 48 years of age. Vitor's what, 44 now? So, what's Vitor? Vitor is 44. 
44. 44. Yeah. All right. So four years of Okay, that's fine. And I look at it. It's the boxing knowledge. And, and Vitor can sit there and say, you know, how much he knows about boxing. <laughs> Nothing compared to what Oscar yeah. does. And I, I would have expected Oscar to come out and mostly be defensive in the first one or two rounds. Oh, use yeah. the jab a little bit. Use footwork and just allow Vitor to throw and you know, bounce things off your arms, your shoulders, roll with things. Every now and then pop him with a you know a stiff jab, but just let him go and then start turning it on. In that third, fourth, fifth, sixth, you just start rolling on him and now start making him back up. And that's what a, a veteran boxer would do, and that's what he yeah. could do based upon the size difference. There would have been some. Yeah, you know, I, I know that Oscar's right now somewhere in about the 170, 175 pound. So he, he's smaller than Vitor, but not by that much. And Vitor's not a guy that's that good at bullying, you know, in the stand-up. You know, he's fast and he's, he's got speed still, but not any faster than Oscar, I don't think, at this point. So I don't I, th- I think it would have been good. I think, I think in the end, I said I thought Oscar would win a decision. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But I Back to the the brawl between Dana and Oscar, though. This shit's never going to end. I love it. I think it's fucking hilarious. Because, you know, it's all about promotions and money. And, you know, I can tell you at one time, Dana loved Oscar. Yeah. Yeah. At one time, I can remember back, trust me, we ended up at the same fights of Oscars. Yeah. You know, so if he didn't like Oscar, he wouldn't be going to his fights. Yeah. And so he, he liked Oscar at a certain point. And then Oscar started talking about things and got into MMA and had the Chuck Liddell and Dana didn't like any of it. Yeah. And once Dana has decided, you know what, you're my enemy, you're going to stay that way. But this one, this one 10-8 Dana White. <laughs> Wait a second. So, John, what you're saying is that you and I will never come back? We'll never be friends with Dana? <laughs> it's been decided. Dude, me and Dana are like that. Oh, really? Talking about, yeah. Close. Oh, love me some Dana White. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, he's the news. Oh, man, Dude, he the makes news. the news, man, because yeah. you, you got to, man, here, all right, I'm going to, you got to give him credit because he's created this situation where he has such impact with the media, the people that he always is, he's always ragging, but they fucking will drop their drawers in a heartbeat to listen to what he's going to say, no matter what it's about, man, he's done such a great job of twisting them around his finger and he just wrapped them up and now he plays them when he wants and he'll say what he wants. He puts out what he wants and they, they just go with it. They don't question it. They don't ever fact check what he says or anything. So dude, Dana, Way to go, dude. Yeah, but you remember when this all started. Remember when they started kicking out Sherdog and all the MMA sites from their yeah. come to their events, yeah. which was <clears throat> had something to do, I think, with the Josh Gross situation. That was. It was, it was, it was uh, the Ultimate Fighter 4 scenario when uh, mm-hmm. at the time they had the two and it was um, they were the winners of the brackets being, I think it was Patrick Cote and Travis Luter and then Chris Lytle and Matt Serra were the guys that were going to fight in the final. But, you know, we, we did all of those shows. And you had to, you know, look, I had to sign, you know, non-disclosure stuff. And it was, you know, I, oh, if I said something, it was $5 million. It was right there in front of me. I go, dude, I haven't made $5 million in my life. <laughs> you get $5 million. You get, you get, you get, 
getting blood out of a turnip. But <laughs> that was, you know, it was. You were, you were, you were signing the thing, saying that, hey, you know that you're gonna owe us five million dollars if you put it out. Well, somehow Josh Gross, someone talked to him, and uh, he put it out on his uh, radio show, and he he basically said, look, you know, spoiler alert. So if you don't want to know. But then he put it out. Who were the guys in the final? And that's what set Dana off. And I, yeah. I don't blame, I don't blame either. I don't blame Dana for being mad, not at all. Mm-mm. But Josh is a reporter, and we, you know when a reporter gets the story, they're gonna want to put it out. You know, but in a way, I look at it and go, you didn't have to do that. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of money involved in <clears throat> in putting on a TV show and hoping that no one yes. finds out the results. That's the yeah, hard because part. when so people know the result, then they don't watch. But what they, what people don't remember is that that kind of helped shape that one scenario helped shape the way that Dana looked at the promotion. What Dana did then was like, look, I'm not going to make it about the fighters anymore. It's not going to be about Tito. It's not going to be about Chuck. It's going to be about me. So he kicked out all the media and he shaped it to where if you have something you want to know, you come talk to me. And, it, and then it, it just made sure that because he knew I'm never leaving. I'll be the president here until fucking Lorenzo fires my die, ass, which will die. be never until I die pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So if it's always about me and then I sprinkle some fighters in here, you know, when they're hot and then I pull it away from them when they're not, then guess what? I know that the promotion will just grow and continue to grow around me. It's about the name UFC and it's about Dana White. It's always going to be Dana White's contender series. Dana White this, Dana White, because now it's that's Dana White is now the face of UFC. You know, and so when you say that, like when you do that, the fighter's not as as important anymore. And so what he did, what Josh Gross started by doing that <laughs> is he got rid of all the media. Dana got rid of all the media. Said no, only like USA Today or Dave Meltzer or whoever was like all the top level ones that worked for for real media sources. You know, at the time, you know, bigger media sources than just you know someone running a media source out of their basement in their house. You know, that were fans. He got rid of all of them. He's like, no, just USA Today or LA Times or whatever, newspapers or whatever big time media sources were around. Legitimate he, news source. When he, not, ever, when he got, not an internet website. Yeah, when he got rid of all of them and when, they, when he finally started allowing them back in, he's like, no, if you guys say one thing, you're done. I'm kicking you out. That's right. what happened. He realized. Oh, they, you guys he, talk he bad pulled, about he me. Pulled, he pulled their credentials. Yeah, if but, you talk bad about me or you, you fact check me, I will Let, fucking boot you out next time. I, I am going to alter what, what you said to a point, though. Okay. This was not Dana White's idea. This was Lorenzo Fertitta. Good idea. Okay. Well, it and makes well, sense. I I'm understand just, why. It makes sense. I'm just telling you. Lorenzo set it all up. Lorenzo said, you're going to be my front man when I, you know, all the good stuff is going to come your way, and then at times I'm going to make you the bad guy. It was Lorenzo. Look at Lorenzo is was Geppetto in the back with the puppet strings. Lorenzo is incredibly bright. People have no idea how he manipulated this sport by using Dana, telling Dana, I want you to go do this. I want you to go say this. And Dana did a fantastic job of being the soldier and following the general. And that's how this all came about. So great. You know, look at Dana is incredibly loyal to the Fertitas and he should be. Yeah. They gave him 10% of the company. Gave it to him when they when they bought it. 45 I, I can tell you right now. I was on the plane with him when they showed me the contract. 45% was in Lorenzo's name. 45% was in Frank Fertitta's name. They gave Dana 10%, right? 
And so I asked, I said, so if you guys don't agree, does Dana make me? They go, oh, no, no, he doesn't make the decision. They actually had it in the contract, and they showed it to me, that Frank and Lorenzo would have a jujitsu match. Whoever won that, it went their way. <laughs> so let's see, you look, you go, all right. Uh, yeah, that's funny. pretty good. But that's pretty funny. He's been loyal to him, and, you know, and they were loyal to him. So it's, he did exactly what he was supposed to do, and that's why he's in the position that he's in. Mm. All right. What else, Dave? All right, next topic. Zabit is teased to be coming back by his coach, Mark Henry. We were just talking about this. Yes. We were just I talking said, about it, man. This is the guy. This is the guy that can make a difference in that featherweight matchup. This is the guy that, if you're looking at Volkanovski, who does he fight next? You want that guy because that guy is special and creates a lot of pride. You talk about a guy that's tall for 145 pounds. Yeah. Ooh. Abe hey, Lincoln, one? man. What is he, 6'1"? Yeah. He's tall. I think he's six foot, six one, somewhere around there. Yeah, somewhere in there. Um, The thing here, like, and nothing against Max Holloway. I love Max. How tall is he? 6'1". 6'1". 6'1". Jesus, man. Um, I love Max Holloway, but if he wins, which I think he will, I think he'll beat Yair Rodriguez. If he beats him, then you're going to put Max in again against Volk. It just, I think people are going to think, ah, I've already seen that. Yeah, it might coming be. in. Zabit coming in is like, hey, it's a little bit of a new flavor. Oh, give him one up. fight as give him a fight as a tune up and a warm up in there. And I'm not saying any of those guys are tune ups or warm ups, but it gets him gets him ready for a five round fight. Look at the numbers on the Volkanovski, you know, uh, Ortega fight. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were big, and it's because people they want to see Volkanovski fight. They like the fact that he is a guy that just you know is a just a gritty guy that you know put goes after guys. But you can only put him against Max so many times before people are going to start to go. Yeah, not too yeah, sure not about that, that anymore. Yeah, yeah, they're like, I'm not buying that. You need somebody else. <clears throat> yeah, can you pull up the rankings, Dave? The 145 pound rankings. So if you're pulling these up, see, you got Max and Yair that are matched up right now. We'll see if Yair gets there. Okay, um, he's, he has that that Aljo effect, I think, right now on me. <clears throat> um, but <laughs> Brian, but you got Brian that just lost, who's already fought Korean Zombie. Calvin Cater, maybe you have Brian and Calvin Cater fight. That's a good fight. Right? That's a good That's little mix-up in there. Good little mix-up right in there. Yep. But then you put Zabit in that mix. Where do you put maybe against Arnold uh, Allen? Arnold Allen. You know, as, as a comeback fight? Like, hey, yeah. we're back That's in. That's a tough back comeback fight. Rankings. Arnold Allen right. does not get the credit that he deserves no. for as good a fighter as he is. He's the guy that kind of like is, he's silent and he gets lost in the mix. But the dude can fight. He's yeah. good. What if we were to put uh, Zabit against Giga? I think he'd take Giga down and beat him up. Yeah. Right right okay. now, Giga doesn't have the, the takedown defense to stop with Zabit. Zabit's good everywhere, mm-hmm. and his grappling, his, his takedowns, he's good. Yeah. And so you take Giga off his feet, now he's not the same fighter. You, and, and Giga just needs more time. Got to give him more time. Yeah, I give him a little more time. Zabit, though, against Josh Allen, be, or, or Josh Allen, Arnold Allen, Josh Allen, the quarterback. Well, Josh Allen, too. <laughs> um, but, you know, um, from Arnold Allen, that'd be a good good return fight, get you back into that top five ranking system, six to five, somewhere in that category. I think they would catapult him probably ahead of a Calvin Cater and Korean Zombie. They'd probably put him in that number two or three position right there. Yeah. Somewhere, because that's where he was, I think, when he got when, when he pulled out, when yeah. they pulled him out of the rankings. Yeah, I think it was third. So, yeah, give him a, give him a, get him a win somewhere in there. I'm not saying uh, Arnold Allen would be an easy fight, but it'd be a good fight. No, for him to get back into it for him to get back into it. 
But I want to see that. The reason why I'm saying Zabit to get in there is because it mixes it up. You can't have Max continue to fight Volk because it won't sell. You're like, oh, I've seen it already twice. You know, it was a great fight. Sure, both of them were good, but I can't, I'm not going to keep paying for it. Yeah. And you put Brian just lost to Volk. You've got Yair. So if he does beat Max, then okay, you throw Yair into the title shot. That makes sense because, you know, just beat Max. But I don't think he will. I think Max pieces him up. I think Max makes it look easy. And then, um, then you got Korean Zombie. You know, he's coming off of his loss. He's coming off. No, he had a he got a win, didn't he? Yeah, I think he got one after that fight. He got one after the Ortega fight. Yeah, I think he got one after that. <clears throat> I don't but know. regardless, it, I think it'll be great to have him back in there. I'd like to see him get one fight uh, in the mix there before he gets back into that title talk. Yeah. Get him back on track. Oh, Danny Ige. Yep. Yeah. All right, what else you got for us, Dave? All right, speaking of Aljamain Sterling, um, he did come out. <laughs> And talk about why he pulled out of the rematch. Um, and here's a quote from what he said. He said, As always, I like to share the truth and be transparent with my fan base that I actually give a shit about fighters' health. Uh, training has been going well, but I've been struggling to get my body to push past two rounds in sparring sessions. The fatigue that sets in and the cramping still lingers, which my surgeon said is due to the nerves still recovering from the long-term trauma and surgery I just had. Nothing I can do about that other than show up in another shell of myself and risk wasting the surgery and maybe getting severely hurt. You know, I'm not normally on his side, but I mean, <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I think it's a smart, smart play by him. You know, um, I think it's I think it's good that he's taken the time to really take to heal up properly. He had neck surgery, so in anytime you're dealing with your neck, just be careful with it. Yeah. Like, just take your time. John, you've had neck surgery. I've had three. Uh, yeah, sounds exciting. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> and the, what the, you know what he says right here he's, mm -hmm. when he says I'm being transparent. You know, I'm telling you what he's saying is true. Mm. Okay, I still first off my thumbs are numb. Okay, but I get cramping. I'll just do like when. Just working out, doing something. If I do something and it starts to push, I go in full on cramps. And I mean, it's like you can't stop it. You, and you're straightening things out. So I believe him. I know he's having, I can believe that he's having that problem. And, and you look at it and you go, I can't fight like this. You know, yeah. I can believe it. It's a problem and it is a nerve problem with his uh, neck. And he's going to have to get it fixed. And if, and I'm not saying this in any bad, if he's got to sit out. You know, for a year, then sit out for a year. Yeah. Don't come back and fight when you are not ready to be the guy that you were when you had to, that surgery happen. Or when you know, I think he was hurt before the his last fight. But don't come back and fight if you're not prepared. Yeah, I agree. I think I, there's no reason to, especially against someone like Peter Yan. Let yeah. them just go on with the interim title. You know, when you come yeah. back, you get the you get Fine. the you're the you're the champ. You're the champ right now. So go ahead and let them fight for the interim belt. And then when we get back, you know, you'll run it back. That's just how yeah. it goes. And maybe, who knows, Peter Yaw might lose between now and then. Yeah. So whoever you, whoever you have to come back against, maybe change it up a little bit. Yeah. It kind of will spru it'll spruce things up a tiny bit. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to spruce anything up, but I'm being honest. I, I totally believe the whole thing with he's got problems. Yeah. But the problem, yeah, unfortunately, problems might not leave. Yeah, Those things... Shit never left i still have it and it's been since my last neck surgery it's been three years damn so i always thought you i always just thought you were slow i'm <laughs> mentally <laughs> mentally very yes, slow. yes we know this <laughs> what else you got for us dave all right last thing oops i clicked on the wrong one um t wood finally got the tattoo for jake paul and then got into it with dan hardy subsequently 
<laughs> yeah. Does that look like a tattoo to you? It doesn't. It doesn't. I mean, look, look. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna deny. It. I mean, like, it doesn't look like a tattoo, but it could be. It the could other thing be. as well. Could be. It's the got in the most painful spot you could possibly get it on your fingers and your the, the bottom of your feet, the palms of your hands, and different parts of your body that are you know like inside the arm type. Of, I've I've heard everyone says that those are the most painful places to get tattoos. I don't have any tattoos. Okay, I don't put a bumper sticker on a Bentley, so I know this. <laughs> so but the jake paul situation he got into it though with dan hardy dan hardy goes that looks fake and they start getting into it over over twitter and they just start ragging on each other i'm like guys stop yeah I know. like i don't know like i understand i understand what dan because i'm looking at the, the damn tattoo as well it doesn't look real and it, you would think it'd have some redding or like it'd be red yeah. around it still. I mean, how fresh is it? How many days? I mean, well, there's the, no scabbing on it. The one, the one thing I will tell you is, you know, okay, you can see there's a tattoo on the finger stuff, mm-hmm. but it goes away on the, the palm or the fingers. Your ah, the palm, you shed the, the skin. The palm of your hand does not hold the ink. It, it sheds it away. So I'm looking at that. I'm going, well, that might have been, could be that he goes, Goes to a tattoo artist says, "Yeah, just put it on your finger right here, and you know it'll go away." Yeah. So, yeah, possibly. But then look, so Dan Hardy goes, "Anyone who has a tattoo knows that that's not a tattoo." What a dork! So I mean, I understand <laughs> Dan started off with that type of scenario, so he well, speaks up on it right sense. out there. Yeah. So I mean, because it all started with T Wood posting a picture of his his uh, middle finger. It says, "I love Jake Paul." It's on the middle finger, and he's got a picture of Jake Paul in the background where he's flipping him off. And so then he puts out this, I love you, son. Now come, come and get this ass whooping. Cause I heard you've been talking about, uh, talking about back to, to talking back to your elders. And so then Jake Paul comes out and said, where are you? He's basically saying like, where are you at? To Jake Paul. They already fought. I mean, like and they're not the going to fight again. And they're not going to fight again. I mean, just smart by Jake Paul. He's not going to fight him again. Tyron, you could have had that rematch. Yeah. You had to win the first one. Yeah, that's true. Exactly. And so when you have Dan Hardy comes out, and then so then Dan Hardy comes and says, so you left out the love part, and that's uh, you, written you missed, in pen. You missed T-Wood's response, actually. T-Wood responded oh, first it? and said, keep my name out of your mouth. Name ain't Dick. I told you once, you haven't fought in a century. You're a spectator and a fan now. Just watch and buy event T-shirts. Uh, you can't get clear to thumb wrestle. You can't get clear to thumb wrestle. <laughs> and, um, then, and, then, and then Dan Hardy comes back and says what? He says, so you left out the love part, and that's written in pen, T-Wood. Well played. He's referencing the tattoo because the love is smaller than the rest of it. Uh-huh. Uh, it looks like a tattoo your friend did when you were both drunk. An embarrassing tattoo is one thing, but a bad embarrassing tattoo is a whole other. <laughs> then T-Wood says, you Oh, it go, goes on? It goes, oh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's like three, four more tweets. Oh, my God. Um, then T-Wood says, your career, your career is, barren, is embarrassing. Your claim of fame is you got stomped by GSP and didn't die. Everything was by design. I'll keep setting trends while you tweet. Dan says, you're trending because you got Jake Paul tattooed in your finger. Well done. Congratulations on your championship success. I remember the crowds booing in appreciation as you wore your heel out against the fence, backing up and avoiding the fight. Then T-Wood says, belt and titles, things you dreamed of. They cheered as you were carried out on a stretcher. Champs now were in diapers last time you fought. Keep living your dream in the bag in your garage. From outlaw to uber black driver. Oh, okay. 
Uh, and then Dan says, we're the same age, you fool. It's just that I was competing in the UFC a bit earlier during the reign of the greatest welterweight champion of all time. You came after. And that's where it was done. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to fight. Nope. <laughs> so that's the whole thing. It's like, eh, not going to go. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't like, to, I don't, I don't, I don't do these Twitter things, man. I don't do the Twitter beef thing like people. You just I do just, it with fans. I, yeah, I, I don't even do it with fans, though. I just do the, I, I, I post gifts every time they do it. <laughs> like They start getting into it. I'm like, I just post gift. Hey. Don't talk to me, Dave, about Twitter beefs, okay? You shut your mouth, okay? <laughs> before, I allow, before I allow you, Luke Thomas to come over here and smash you. You mean the professional troll? No, <laughs> oh, he's fucking, he's gifted. He's a gift. No, I swear, every time I see someone trolling on Twitter, I, the first thing that comes to my mind is fucking Dave's face. <laughs> I just think of, it's exactly like, podcast Dave is like one of those guys. It, I just know he can troll. He's a troll. He's he What are you talking about? He trolls us on text. Oh, I know. He's But when I he hear anything me... more about the WWE from Podcast Dave. <laughs> oh. I'm going to fly, the, the, I'm gonna fly to Austin and use that that ability to have firearms. <laughs> John. John, the worst part, right, is that fucking he moved to Austin cuz before I'd see him in, in the in the studio all the time, I could just smack him in person, but now <laughs> fucking <laughs> 2,000 miles away. I can't hit him. That's crazy. Oh, yeah, All right, that Dave, time, that Remember it? that time I moved to Austin, Josh? Because uh, you were going to move to Austin, and then uh, I moved to Austin, and you changed your mind. And I changed my mind. <laughs> oh, Lord. This uh, guy. This guy. All I, right. actually, I actually had to talk his, his wife into letting him move to Austin, and she, <laughs> they finally moved to Austin, and I didn't move. <laughs> it's like, oh, shit. All right. Hey, go to uh, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Wayne In. Use the promo code and still Pick up any of our shirts. We've got the... Karate Kid logo, we've got the Terminator logo, we've got the Home Improvement uh, with um, Podcast Dave as Wilson over the fence. Very cool design. We've also got all of our standard logo, or normal standard logo you see on our on our YouTube channel, as well as our original logo is up there as one of the old school throwbacks, which John has right behind him, which I don't know if you guys will be able to see that, but it's, uh, it's the original design logo that we had that Podcast, oh there it is, John will pull it down and he will show you. There it is. Very nice. Great, great. My son. All right. So use the promo code and still and pick up one of our shirts there. Also hit the subscription button, the subscribe button down below and hit the little notifications with the thumbs up to help our algorithm grow. So our show and our channel grows as well. We want to thank you guys for listening to us and we are out. And John, what do you have to say? We're out. Bye.